Um, my second one is my backup plan. So I'm first going to try the first one. Someone once said, I have a great fear of stairs. I just always feel they're up to something. I know, that was kind of lame, isn't it? All right, we'll, we'll try the second one, see if this one works. I got, a guy once said, he says, I, I uh, threw a boomerang a few weeks ago, and now I'm going to blow it. Now I live in constant fear. That's, That's a better one, isn't it? All right, I'm going to stop right there. How about a third one? No, I won't do that. So fear. Fear is a, is a healthy part of life as long as it is used as a means for keeping us from harm. So we know, we tell our kids, right, don't play in the street. Why do we tell them not to play in the street? Because of cars. We don't want them to get hurt, so we instill that in them. Or we say something like, stay away from the stove, stove's hot, or stay away from the stove because there's boiling water, and we don't want you to, you know, to burn yourself or whatever. So that, that is a healthy fear. But fear is unhealthy when it becomes a phobia, when it starts to just to control us, that when you're in your deep fear, you can't sleep, you keep thinking about this or that, you can't seem to get it out of your mind, the fear that is overwhelming you. And, and that's what I'm going to start tonight. I want to, want to talk about how we can overcome our fears. And the first one I want to talk about is, is to really confront the reality of your fear. We all have it. You know, somebody says, well, you know, I've heard some, well, Christians might say, well, listen, I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, so I don't really fear anything, blah, blah, blah. Well, if that's really true, then please come let us know. What is your secret? We all have fear of some form or another, right? We need to face the reality of our, of our fear, whatever it is. So I want to start with, with Psalm 139, uh, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. David asked God to test his hidden thoughts or sins. Like David, we can ask God to search our hearts, and he will do that. If we ask God to search our hearts, our inmost thoughts, and reveal any fear that we face, that just overwhelms us, and he will do that. So, so my first thought is this. God knows our hearts. And sometimes when we go through fear, we kind of hide that. But God said, no, he's going to test us a little bit with that. He said, you know, you're going through some stuff, so why don't you admit it? Rather than trying to, you know, say, hey, I'm strong, I can handle this. God says, give me your fears, give me everything that you have, and I will work through you. I will do this. I will help you overcome. You know, I was thinking about a phobia, and I was thinking of, of a story of John Green, or Joe Green. Who ever heard of Joe Green? Um, you have? Joe Green? Okay. Uh, I'm, I thought of that when I said that. No, it's not the football player, Joe Green. <laughs> With the, I, just, I just blew it. This, those, this whole sermon's gone. It's gone now. Threw me off, I'm off my rhythm. Anyway, Joe Green, but you'll probably know this. I'm talking about 
he was the, uh, years ago, he was the roommate of Mark Zuckerberg. You know who Mark Zuckerberg is? You know, the, 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 the Facebook guy or whatever? At least it, as men have zero technology skills, at least I know that. But anyway, what happened there was they started, as roommates, they started what they called at Harvard, Face Mash. Ever heard of that? That's how Facebook started. Now, you can get on your computer and say, let's see if Pastor is really true in this or not. So I'm giving you part of the story. Well, uh, Harvard was upset with them, especially with Zuckerberg, because he's behind all of this. And they threatened to expel them if they didn't stop doing what they were doing. So, and, and uh, Joe Green's father was a professor, and so he was all about his son getting, obviously, probably his degree, and so, so Zuckerberg had this idea, we're going to take this beyond just the campus. We're going to call a Facebook one to develop that. The guy really is a genius. Yeah, I know. Whatever was beyond that, I don't know. But the man is very, very smart, very bright. So he tried to encourage his roommate to partner with him with Facebook. And Joe Green is getting pressure from his father saying, no. Don't do any, any uh, programs or any, any ideas. Don't hook up with this Zuckerberg. And so, out of what? Because his dad wanted him to, Joe, to graduate from, from Harvard, obviously. Hey, even though uh, Zuckerberg tried to encourage his, his roommate to partner with him, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to take that chance, basically, of getting in trouble with school or whatever. Well, of course, we know the end of the story there. Because of his hesitation and fear, if you look at the money perspective, Joe Green lost $7 billion. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What can happen there? You know, $7 billion, that's, that's a lot of coin, I guess. Boy, that could really help our budget, couldn't it? You know, you know un- unbelievable. So I'm going to go to Psalm 34.4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. I want to stay right there for a moment because, because fear can be such a paralyzing, paralyzing thing. Now, I want you to think about those times in your lives when you have been felt so paralyzed by fear. Probably all of us have had those moments where we thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm just so overwhelmed with fear over this situation or that. You know how that feels. You know, I've tell, you know you, I imagine you're still with us here. I tell all my stories, and sometimes I repeat them. I can walk right through here, too. Unbelievable. Never thought of that. It, it, that's a shortcut. I have to go around there and go right through here. And when I was, when I was uh, taking my uh, finishing seminary, and I'm not going to bore you all those stories about the, the, the hoops we had to jump through, but we did. And when, we're, when it was all said and done, I had my church already. They were calling me to this one church. But there's one little minor problem. And that is, as candidates, we had gone through all of our exams, our, or, the, our oral exams from other areas and, our, and all of that kind of stuff. And then we had the big oral exam over the whole body. 
There's over 80 churches, and what we had to do as candidates, we had to stand before them individually, and it was all about theology. They could ask the candidate any question they wanted, and we're talking about who was in the audience? The pastors, the assistant pastors. Anybody who was a pastor was, a pastor, was there, and because they probably had gone through that same process years ago, so it was their time to really get, you, get the candidate to sweat up there on the podium. So I remember, I remember uh, driving there to that meeting with three other candidates, and we were sweating bullets. There was a lot of fear floating around that car, let me tell you, because we knew there was so much at stake. I know for me personally, a lot was at stake, at stake because I already had my church. I already had the calling, but if we didn't get through this oral examination, we went, it stopped. It stopped. So I'm thinking to myself, all sorts, in my fears, I'm thinking, what about, what about, what about Rudy? Maybe he doesn't like me. Maybe he's going to ask a question just to try to trick me. You know, what about Jason? He's going to, oh, he's, I know he doesn't like me. So I think he's going to try to make me sweat and grind me down because you have to think under the pressure. You know, I mean, you're it. You go on the distance. Now you're expected to know all of this stuff. And so those are the things that are going through our minds as a candidate. And so when you come up to the podium, I can't tell you how scared and fearful I was. I stood up there. I looked out. I saw a sea of pastors. I saw a sea of pastors with a whole lot of wisdom, a whole lot of experience. And there I am. It seemed like they were looking at me like they were frowning, but they weren't. But that was in my fear that I, I wanted to say, do you realize how nervous I am up here? So that was my overwhelming fear. But what helped me in this, what helped me was to overcome was found really in this one little verse, in verse 34. I saw God's voice, and he delivered me from that enormous fear that loomed over me. That's what I remember about that. I remember, I remember the fear. I remember the uncertainty. I remember all of that. But I also remembered when I stood up there, then, I, then God just touched my heart and said, You're not alone, that I'm with you. You just open your mouth, and I will speak through you. And that's what got me through it. I'll be honest with you, because I was saying, Lord, I can't do this. This is just too overwhelming. Then he gave me that sense of peace that surpasses all understanding. He will do that for us. No matter what it is for you, he will do that for you as well. He loves us equally. I don't have anything that you don't have in Christ. It's just a matter of trusting him and putting it all in his hands. Amen? And amen. Number two, claim God's promises through scripture. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Afraid. Let's stick with fear. Okay, guys. Now, maybe it's just me, but maybe it's you as well. Go back to when you were a teenager. And uh, so I'm going to share mine and see if, if you can relate to this or not. About a year and a half of my high school, 
maybe two, whatever. I had a strong fear of what? Of girls. Mike, I did. I mean, I had a hard time in class talking, doing a casual conversation with the girl. Of, could it be about assignment or whatever? I'll be a babbling idiot. I just could not. I just had a real hard time with the girls. And you know what? It didn't bother me because I remember back in the day, do you remember this guy's, you know, coaches? Hey, listen, sports and girls don't mix. Remember, he told me all the time, they don't mix. Yeah, okay, coach, I got it. I don't care anyway. So I'll just stick with my sports. And so everything is cool with me. You know, I had no fear of doing what I wanted to do with my sports. And then one, if one fatal game, Jason, happened to me. I rolled my ankle in a game. It was really bad. And so they took me into the, to the locker room and the trainer t- retaped my ankle and went back and played again. So here's the deal. That was a Friday night. See, I still remember this after all these years. It's just like it happened yesterday. And so I'm home. I couldn't go anywhere because my ankle was swelling up, whatever. And my family is in the living room, and ring the phone rings. And my sister looked at me and said, Danny, she said, you have a phone call. And I thought, well, maybe it was, my first thought was, well, maybe it's one of the guys. No, she said, Kay's on the phone. I went, Kay, why is she calling me? So there I went. I had to face my fear because then I talked to her on the phone. That to me is almost the worst of face-to-face because what do I say? So she, I said, hello. And, and she said, hello. And then she said, I just want to call to see how you're feeling. Oh, you sprained your ankle. And I thought to myself, at that point, I was so fearful. I didn't know what to say. First, my, as a teenager, I wanted to say, well, what are you calling me for? You know, do you really care or whatever? But I'm telling you, that struck me. And not only that, because everybody, my family was watching me. It's bad enough. Really, isn't it bad enough? You're going through that fear. And then everybody's watching you, and they're smiling. And, you, and I'm leaking with fear, and they're smiling. And I thought to myself, how am I going to get out of this conversation? It must have been, it couldn't have been more than 30 seconds. I'm, I'm just guessing. See, more than 30 seconds. As I'm fine, bye. And that was pretty much, pretty much it. I know. I wasn't very tactful back in those days either. Fear of rejection, fear of failing, fear of uncertainty, fear of success even, etc., can paralyze us within. That's what it does. But we can the strength of God's salvation. Taking hold of the promises recorded in his word can liberate us from any fear that seeks to just overwhelm us. In life, we need to see that. Now, back in those days, I did not rely on God. So I hung up in fear. I was still in fear. But that was before, before Christ. Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid or fear. What can man do to me? The writer says Christ is all we need. Therefore, Why should we be afraid? If Jesus Christ is all we need, then why should we be afraid? Why should we let fear dominate us? Again, I use the word dominate because we all have fear. And that's a normal thing. But when it dominates us, that's when it becomes an issue. You know, 
It's like we need to counter our fears with the Word of God. Did not Jesus do that? You know, in the wilderness, you know, when he's tempted by Satan, he said, what did he say? The Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. We need to do that. How, how, would we, how, would we, how can we overcome? That is it. You know, there's, there's nothing magical about this. It's just factual. You need, we need to get into the Word of God. How many use a concordance? There we go, hands up, concordance. They're great, aren't they? I mean, that's not a tool that just people in seminary use or whatever. A concordance is a great tool to use to look up what? Words. You know, look up words. You know, I'm doing a series on, on, on your giants or whatever, and all these, I just go to the concordance. All pastors do. This is not a secret. Lay people do. You go to the concordance. It's an alphabetical thing. Like if you have a word, let's say jealousy or something like that, and you want to look up uh, jealousy, you go to your concordance, you know, and it's, it's all alphabetical order, and you look up jealousy, and what do you see? You see tons of scripture pertaining to jealousy that relate to jealousy. Talk about jealousy. So get one. If you don't use one, use it all the time. Use it. I use mine all the time. Because if you look up fear, and you, have, you know, the handlers are back from vacation, whatever. You have nothing to do tomorrow or today. Look up fear in your concordance. And you're going to see hundreds of references, aren't you? You know, of fear. And so that is so, I tell people, look, and if, if, you, if you're in a fearful situation, look up fear. Look at some of the scriptures related to fear. And those that God, when God speaks to you about a, a scripture, then God's telling you something. If, that's, if that touches your heart and your mind, look at it. Reread it again. Even memorize it because those assurances will help us overcome our fears. That is so, so important to see that as we navigate through life, we need to navigate with the Word of God right with us. You know, in a sense, right with us. If, you're, if you can't get to a concordance or whatever, write that. If it's fear, whatever it is for you, that word that you're really looking for, that you really want to study, then write it down and go to your concordance. If you're a Bible teacher, whatever, then if you don't have a concordance with you or in your study and your preparation, I'm saying, boy, you're really missing a, a great, great resource. So it's not like a pushing for one. Uh, what kind of recording, uh, concordance do you have? I'm just curious. Strong? Okay. I like just the give and take. I think, you know, for me, there's, I have Gruden's, but, you know, for me, sometimes I've, I struggle with that one. But I always like Strong's concordance. I think it's the most comprehensive. But who am I? I'm not saying the one you're using is wrong. I'm just saying that all of us have our preferences. That's the point. Whatever you feel comfortable with, then just use it. But use it. Amen? And amen. Okay. Number three, nurture a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Numbers 32, 12 through 13. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and the Kensonite, and Joshua, son of Nun, and for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Now listen to this. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the desert 40 years until the whole generation of those who had gone, done evil in the, in the sight was gone. We know the whole story. We know how the power of fear 
dominated 10 of the 12 spies that Moses sent out to check out the promised land. And this majority report brought back to Moses was influenced by great, great, great fear. As a result, fear cost that generation 40 years of wandering in the desert filled with heartache and tragedy, all because of fear. Verse 12 reads, For they, referring to Caleb and Joshua, followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Caleb and Joshua were marching to a different drummer than the rest of the delegation because they were just absolutely on fire for the Lord. The ten that reported were so overwhelmed with fear, they said, in essence, they said, we can't do this. We can't enter that land. We cannot take it. It's full of giants. They're going to kill us. What about Joshua and Caleb? We know again the story. You know, they responded through Holy Spirit courage. And they said, if God's in it, we can do it. If God's in this, we can take the land. If God's in the giants, we can defeat the giants. If God is in it. And that is so, so important for us to see. They had this awesome trust in their God. Now, let's do a little minor transition, and we're going to kind of talk about love and fear here. And I have one little verse. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. It comes from us. We've heard it before from 1 John 4.18. I call it 4.18a. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The polar opposite of fear, my friends, is love. God's perfect love trumps fear every time. Every time. Because why? Because God is love. We're down to our last grandchild at this point. And I'm sure that you parents and grandparents can relate to this one. Down to the last one. She's the youngest one. Well, okay, Jan, I'm cool. She's going to say, Dan, you you blew the story. Then I turned the radio louder. No. uh, And when Lindsay, our youngest, was two or three years old, somewhere in there, and she had a fear when her mother would leave, would they go out or whatever. And for Lynn, she just struggled with that big time. And it really was a problem. So I, mean, I would babysit her, and mom and dad would leave. It's always, when's mommy going to come home? When's mommy going to come home? And so how did I handle that? I did not come down on her and say, oh, come on. You know, you're three years old, grow up. You're not, you're not two anymore. You know, deal with it. This happens all the time. I did not, rather than I encourage her with love. See, I poured out my love to cast out her fear. 
See what I'm saying? You probably did the same thing. I poured out my love to cast out her fear. That's exactly what God's love does for you and for me. Think about that. You know, you're, we are his children. And he loves us so much, he said, I'm going to help you cast out your fear with my love. Because there's no fear in love. Because my love will trump over that fear. Amen? Amen. Okay, number four. You think we're almost over, but sometimes the last, uh, last point doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a short one. And the last one, though, really is, to me, it's so important. All of them are, but this one really is living a life in Christ. Philippians 1, 20 through 21. You've heard this passage before. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here the confidence Paul expressed in, in Christ was undeniable. Despite the fact that he was shackled in prison, Paul, Paul's hope and courage in Christ was unshaken. He would not be shaken by fear, would not, and he had every reason to be fearful. The guy was in prison. He's going to, you know, who knows? Is unshaken. I shared a little bit of the story, but I want to really expand on it probably a couple years ago. I think that you've talked with any pastor through the years, and if, if the pastor will, will reminisce, they will always bring up people that have touched their lives in a different way in the ministries that they've, you know, in the church that they've served. And I'm going to share one with you. Her name is Jan Snell. S-N-E-L-L. Jan was not a churchgoer. Her husband and children went to church. Jan never did. Back when she was younger, this comes from her lips as well. When my kids were young, I would drive them to Sunday school. I'd either A, stay there, you know, or read whatever in the parking lot, waiting for the class to be over, or I'd just drop them off and leave and pick them up later, or else her husband. Her husband was involved in church. I never knew her. I knew her husband, but I never really asked, you know, about his wife. And Jan, I would say that she's probably 10 to 15 years older than myself. And so her husband, George, said to me one day, he said, Pastor, he said, would you go see Jan? She's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I said, of course. I went to her house. And I prayed before I, obviously, before I went in. And uh, I sat down, very nice lady. And uh, I noticed she had a book next to her. It was Mike Ditka's book. She was an avid bear fan. Mike, that was my in, because I'm an avid bear fan myself. So we had common ground. We could talk about the lowly bears. But we could talk about the coach. And so I started talking, and we started talking about Mike Ditka, and she started to open up a little bit more to see me as 
as a person as well. And I had likes and dislikes and so on and so forth. So then I, we start talking about faith. And she says, well, I don't believe. I'm not, I've never have, never been to a church school or whatever. So it was through that process that uh, I started leading her very gently to Christ. And God was so merciful because then there reached a point where Jan uh, received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And for her, it was bells and whistles. All I can say. She became so on fire for the Lord. And when she came to the Lord, her love for Jesus grew, grew so, so deep. And I can remember as I watched her grow, but I also watched her body just waste away. And it was Christmas Eve. We finished our service. I was home with my family. And God gave me the nudge. Go see Jan. Go see her. She's in the hospital. Hospital's only a couple blocks away from where we live. So I went to the hospital, and I walked in there, and now it's Christmas Eve. You know, the lot of emotion, sentimentality popped in Christmas Eve for a lot of reasons. And there was Jan. She was so upbeat, and she was talking about the Lord, and she was dying. And how God, she's, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm ready, I'm ready anytime, I'm ready, I can't wait to meet Jesus. She died. I was on vacation. But I told my church, I told my board, I said, Jan, this is something we had to do as a family. I said, and I know that she's not, and I talked with Jan about this, uh, Bob wouldn't be able to be there, but, you know, but I will, and then she, she basically said, well, you do my funeral. I said, you bet. And, but I call it a celebration. And so, I was called back from my vacation because she passed away. And when I did that funeral, there are many funerals I've done through the years that I didn't really know the person if they were with the Lord. And sometimes that's hard to do. You don't want to lie, but you want to give people encouragement. Now with Jan, I knew exactly. It was a celebration. That's the way that she wanted it. So I look at her life. Within a few short months, this woman learned how to live a life of Christ. In those, first, those few months, I saw Christ in that woman that some people I've known for a long time never generated that kind of faith in their Lord as this woman did. So she ministered to me in so many different ways as a pastor that I, to this day, I can see her face, uh, I love her, and one day I'm going to see her again in heaven, and we're going to chit-chat about probably Mike Ditka or whatever the case might be. But my point is that Jesus was clearly exalted in her life. The Bible talks about being, Christ being exalted. Jesus was exalted in her life and her death. 
When God calls our number, and he will, all the medical advancements will not buy another day, another second, another week on this earth. So the question always looms, is sometimes preoccupies people about death. They think about their own death. Afraid of your death? Are you afraid of dying? I don't want to die right now. But I know that if I die, where I'm going to be. I don't let it consume me. And I'm probably closer to that point than most of you here. It doesn't bother me. Because I know what I know what I know. In my mind and in my heart. I want to close with that little phrase we've heard so many times mentioned in the word. Verse 21. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. I want to reverse this. When Paul said to die is gain, he did not mean that living in the here and now is something that we should try to uh, avoid, that we should try to escape from. But then he said to live, in, to live is Christ. He was talking about Christ has transformed us in this life. He has transformed us through his spirit in this life and one day in the life to come. I believe that this verse shows us how we can live life without being overwhelmed with the fear of death or anything else. This is not simply about death. It's about overcoming the fear of any fear that you might have. Either way, Paul is saying, we cannot lose. If we live in this world and God keeps us here, then we're living in Christ. We're filled with Christ. We're being blessed with Christ, his strength, everything. But when he takes us home, then that's, that's the ultimate. But we can't lose. There's no doubt that giant of fear looms over all of us. Each and every day. But I close with this. Fear. Fear is not something that we need to worry about. Because fear is, is, is something that, you know what Jesus does with fear? He flicks it off. It's just a mild irritation. That's what he's saying to us. Your fear, he's not taken away from your, 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 your anxiety. But he's saying, I want you to see, my child, that that fear that is haunting you it's only a mild irritation. Put your trust in me. Allow me to help you work through that fear. Don't let it consume you. Because if fear consumes you, it'll affect your other relationships. That's just what fear does. We have nothing to fear. We don't. Because we have the master who's looking out for us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray with me as well. 
And if you are in a situation right now where you are, you are stuck in fear, that you are just can't seem to get out of it, it just seems to come back to you and come back to you, it's like a bad toothache. It just, you, you chomp on something and it's back again. That's what fear can do. If that's you, then God wants to deliver you once and for all. He wants to deliver you from that fear. So that you can, you can live a life of hope and courage the way he wants you to live. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you, Father, for your people. I thank you, Lord, for fear. I thank you, Jesus, that we can place fear right in front of you. We can confront our fear in you, Lord, knowing that you understand and you love us and there's no fear in love. So, Lord, I pray for a brother or sister here today that is racked with fear. And even if they're trying to deny it, Lord, they can't because it keeps coming back. I pray, Lord, that Jesus, you come into the hearts and that you will, will reveal your love to them in a very special way and that they will see in their hearts through your Holy Spirit, there really is no fear in love. Cast that fear from them, Lord, that is dominating their mind and their lives. Cast it away, Lord, I pray. Come into their hearts, Lord, and heal them in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Amen and amen.